The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. heading to Darlington Raceway, NASCAR's oldest super speedway. It is throwback weekend honoring the late 1980s. The come race day, the track too tough to tame is anything but a good time. And there is plenty on the line as we get closer to the playoffs. Hi, everybody. Carolyn Mando, Parker Kligerman, and Steve Latart with you as well. Let's start with you, Steve. Where does this race rank for you in terms of the toughest of the entire season? Well, Kellen, this is number one by a long shot. Not because it's 500 miles, but because it's 500 miles around the lady and back. The toughest racetrack, in my mind, for a race car driver to consistently run on the edge. And that's what needs to be done at Darlington to be fast. There's no place to hide. There's no place to run conservative. The track is very unique, but the line, the racing line, the groove where the driver must put the race car to be competitive is unreal. Inches off the wall for nearly three hours, or excuse me, nearly four hours, this race takes forever. It is a mental test for sure. Steve, it may be shaped like an egg, but that does not mean it's easy to crack, Darlington. It is definitely the most brutal racetrack you'll experience throughout the season because of what Steve just talked about. It's shaped differently on both ends. You have the very fast, very hard one and two that's also one, line, one lane. You do not have options in lanes there. You have to run up next to the wall and then cut back down by turn two where then it throws you back up next to the wall. And then three and four, it's a lot tighter corner. You do have some options, but it's very fast as well. And so this racetrack, when I think of it, just always makes me think of the word brutal. And that's what the drivers experience. You proud of yourself for that egg line? Egg line, it was pretty good. Took you a while. All right, let's get right to it. Here's what's on tap for today's show. We've got a lot to talk about. We are going to relive the wildest wrecks, the chaos on pit road, and the funniest moments of the season in our best of scan all. Clint Boyer is going to join us from the NASCAR Hall of Fame to discuss the challenges of Darlington and also his playoff chances, which are in question. And a few more throwback schemes revealed today, including the one that Kyle Larson will be driving in Sunday's Southern 500. Generations of drivers and cars have been branded with a Darlington stride. The custom sheet metal wear comes from a 140 mile an hour brush with the rail. You're always trying to pride yourself in not getting one. If it didn't come back with a Darlington strap, you slap the driver because he's not getting it done. But not all brushes with the wall truly capture the Darlington legend. The record. If you go into turn one, that's not a Darlington strike. That's a wreck. The Darlington strike is when you would come off that corner and get the thing hung out where you would lay on that guardrail and it would put two distinct areas on the quarter panel or on the right rear bumper. And a lot of drivers would drive it and just set their car on that guardrail almost. That's a Darlington strike. It is no easy task to win at Darlington, and with only two races left in the regular season, multiple drivers still looking for that first win of the season to secure playoff spots. Jamie McMurray currently holding the final spot above the cutoff line. Clint Boyer on the outside looking in, followed by Joey Logano and rookies Eric Jones and Daniel Suarez, who both need wins. So, Steve, with the toughness of this track in mind, do the rookies have a shot 
at winning this weekend and securing a berth into the playoffs? You know, Caroline, I hate to rule out drivers with as much talent as Eric Jones and Daniel Suarez, but I don't think they have a shot. I think that they have to race the racetrack first before they even get into the other competitors. And this racetrack, just surviving is going to be a great day. Remember, Darlington no, not only is a very difficult racetrack, but it's a difficult racetrack that the series only runs once a year. So they don't have a lot of experience there, unlike, say, Bristol, where we saw Eric Jones run so well a few weeks ago at the big tracks like Michigan. You know, the 77 has shown some speed, but there are no racetracks like Darlington. There are no tests as grueling as the Southern 500. So I think Daniel Suarez and Eric Jones, a good somewhere in the top 15 run would be a big success and try to take that momentum to Richmond, where I believe both of them may have a shot to win. What do they need to do, Parker, as young rookie drivers, if they are going to try to go for the win? Well, I have to disagree with Steve a little bit because I think they can compete. And I'll be honest, the reason is is that although Darlington is unique, it still is a very fast racetrack. And we know that the, the cars that have been fastest, the mile and a half and some of the bigger racetracks, are those Toyotas. And one of those is the 77 teammate to the, one of the best cars this whole season, Martin Truex Jr. in the 78. And therefore, I think they're going to have the equipment to go up there and compete. And therefore, it falls on them to really figure out the cup cars, figure out the tire fall off, and also the, the grueling nature of 500 miles at Darlington. But speed-wise, I think it will be there for both Daniel Suarez in the 19 and especially Eric Jones in the 77. And so it's going to come down to putting together all the other pieces and executing on race night. Steve? Parker. Parker. What? Kyle what do Bush. you got there? Martin Truex Jr., <laughs> Matt Kenseth, I Denny know. Hamlin, they're all in fast Toyotas. And I think those drivers have found success at a track like this. They know how to run on the edge. And I just think that the key is, you know, it's kind of a cliche, Carolyn. We say this a lot, but first you have to race the racetrack. That is a cliche 35 weeks out of the year. But on race 36, when you go to the Southern 500 this weekend at Darlington Raceway, that is exactly what these drivers need to do for the first 300 miles. And I think that's where the rookies are going to fall short. Four hours is a long time to run on the edge. And I think there are other veterans in those playoff standings that we haven't talked about that have to get a win. Clint Boyer, I think, has got to be thinking must win. When you go to a track like Darlington, that's going to be the type of place that his veteran status might actually be a major strength. All right, fine, but there's one thing it takes to run up there with those guys, speed, and we know the 77 and the 19 have that. So we'll disagree to disagree a little bit on if they can compete up there with those guys, but I think they'll at least be in the conversation because they have the speed and they have those teammates to rely on throughout practice, see their data, that sort of thing. But you can agree with one of the drivers, the veterans that Steve just pointed out, Matt Kenseth. He seems to be the veteran that's trending up at a track like this that everybody is picking to maybe have success this weekend. Absolutely, and I, you know, I spoke to his crew chief, Jason Ratcliffe, after the Bristol race and just kind of went up to him as they were looking at the car. And I said, you wanted that one badly, didn't you? And he said, yeah, we really wanted that one. And it, it meant more than just winning a race. It's the idea of locking themselves in the playoffs, obviously knowing that Matt Kenseth will not be returning that 20 car in 2018. I think there's a lot on the line for them. And so that was a big win that got away. And I think that sometimes for a team, when you have when you get close and you have that possibility of getting in victory lane and it gets taken away, that almost is extra motivation. I know that 20 car doesn't need any more motivation than they already have, but that can just be that little bit more they need going into such a grueling race. Well, you know, it sounds silly, Parker, but I think that the other leading Toyotas, the other leading drivers, whether it's Kevin Harvick in a Ford or Jimmy Johnson in a Chevrolet, their goal is to eliminate that motivation, eliminate the momentum that the 20 of Matt Kenseth has. It has definitely been a trying year. It's been an emotional year. He's lost his job at Joe Gibbs Racing. He doesn't know what he'll be driving in the upcoming season, if anything. And I think that run at Bristol 
was a big stepping stone for Matt Kenseth. He finally had that fire, drive, and desire in his post-race interview. He admitted that he wanted to win that race. I think he remembers what it was like to lift that trophy at the end of the Southern 500. So if I'm Jimmy Johnson, Kevin Harvick, even his teammate Kyle Busch, my goal is to extinguish that flame very, very quickly. Why I think Matt Kenseth will make the playoff on points, the last thing you want him to do is get a win and get some momentum. Next thing you know, you're turning around in November, still trying to shake that guy for a championship. Steve, what about a young driver that's not a rookie, but one that many people are waiting to see explode or have that first win, and that being Chase Elliott. Is something possible for him at a track like this this weekend? I actually think it is. Chase Elliott reminds me of a much more senior driver. He acts on the radio like he's been behind the wheel five or six years at the cup level. Um, he has won at some of the toughest racetracks on the Xfinity level, and I think that will carry over to Cup. Uh, he's the perfect example. I think he had a good car last year, but I think Darlington itself was a challenge. Coming back the second time, I think, will help this young man in the 24 car. He has one of the best ever to drive around Darlington as a former driver, the 24 to Jeff Gordon, that he can text and lean on and call. Uh, Jimmy Johnson's not too shabby there either. So I think that he does have a chance when it comes against racing the racetrack. But much like what Parker said, I am not sure that Chase Elliott and this 24 Chevrolet has found the capable speed of the Toyotas that he seems to be chasing. Exactly, Steve. That's where I was going to go with it next is that, you know, I believe Chase probably has the ability to go out there and compete at Darlington. He understands what it takes to go fast around Darlington. But I worry about where Hendrick Motorsports currently is in terms of their development of the race cars and the speed that they're bringing the racetrack. I just don't feel like it's there. I don't feel like they have the speed to go up and compete with some of the Toyotas that we're seeing right now up the front at some of these faster racetracks. And so that's going to hold him back. And maybe this, as we get closer to the playoffs, Hendrick might have some changes here that they've had come together in the off weekend here. But I think what we're really looking at Hendrick Motorsports and what they're focusing on is Chicago. And so for that race team, the next time they're going to unveil something really different, something that they feel like is going to propel them through the playoffs is going to be Chicago. And so for them, it's get the best finish they can out of the 24 car. Keep padding the points and make sure that they're not in a position where they find themselves scrambling to get in the playoffs. Yeah, Elliott was able to finish 10th last year. <clears throat> we'll see if uh, the speed is there this weekend. We've got a lot to cover over the next hour. Coming up next, we're going to flash back to the 1986 Southern 500 when Tim Richmond had to deal with some weather and also had to deal with a Hall of Famer in Bill Elliott. Before we get to that, though, uh, we need to address something that's just a little bit bigger than the weekend. You know, we often use sports as an escape, but a lot of people in Texas right now don't have that luxury. Hurricane Harvey continuing to displace tens of thousands of people, and the racing community in Texas has expressed their thoughts on social media. Texas Motor Speedway tweeting, incredibly proud as Texans to be showing the country how we come together in times of tragedy. This from AJ Foyt Racing. Keeping the people of Texas, especially our hometown of Houston, in our prayers right now, stay safe. And Texas is the home of the Labonte brothers. Terry's daughter, Christy, posted this. All the Labonis are safe in North Carolina. Please pray for those affected, though. Truck Series driver Austin Wayne Self posted this one. My thoughts and prayers go out to my fellow Texans in Rockport and surrounding areas that are being affected by Hurricane Harvey. And this from NASCAR veteran driver David Starr. Thoughts and prayers go out to everyone in my hometown of Houston affected by Hurricane Harvey. Stay safe. And if you want to help the victims of this devastating natural disaster, you can donate online at redcross.org or you can also text Harvey to 90999 to make a $10 donation as well.
The Verizon IndyCar Series lives right here, and with two races remaining on the schedule, the series heads to the mecca of American road racing for the Grand Prix at the Glen. That is Sunday, 1.30 Eastern. Make sure you tune in for that. Sunday at Road America, Jeremy Clements did his best impression of former IndyCar star Danny Sullivan with a spin and win to earn his first career victory in the Xfinity Series. It was a very emotional day for Clements and his small family-owned team as they secured a spot in the upcoming playoffs. It was a great story from the weekend, and the celebration continued on Monday as Jeremy and the rest of the crew gathered at the team shop in Spartanburg, South Carolina. A little barbecue dinner slash victory party. Very, very nice. Clemens win, one of the highlights of the 2017 season. But back in 1986, the driver that was making headlines was 31-year-old Tim Richmond. In his first year with team owner Rick Hendrick and crew chief Harry Hyde, Richmond rolled into Darlington on a tear. And on the last day of August, the Southern 500 would become his crowning achievement. The 37th annual Southern 500. On the front row will be Tim Richmond in the Folgers Coffee Chevrolet car number 25. And the green flag is out. The Southern 500 underway. And we have a crash. It's Richard Petty on the main straightaway. Petty bangs the wall right at the start finish line. What happened out there? Uh, <laughs> anytime you get close to racing with Earnhardt, you're in trouble. And I, I wasn't smart enough to get out as well. Dale has now pulled out to a sizable advantage on second place, Tim Richmond. Earnhardt making a uh, second pit stop here. He said he didn't think he may have a tire vibrating on the left side. Well, look who is up front again. It's the Hendrick team with Jeff Bodine leading and Tim Richmond in second position. And a good move by Bobby Allison and some of the other guys that are up front. They elected to pit during this caution and take on fuel while some of the other runners have elected to stay out, namely Jeff Bodine. And Jeff Bodine is going to be running on fumes at best. Elliott, Richmond, and Allison closing on Jeff Bodine. Why? Well, because Bodine's got to back up the throttle a little bit to conserve fuel. Now Elliott goes to the outside and passes for the lead. He's out of fuel. It looks like he's out of fuel. He's off. He's stopped. And Bill Elliott looks as if he could win his second consecutive Southern 500. has just hugged Tim Richmond. Tim Richmond, the winner of the Southern 500. And the late Tim Richmond, just one of a handful of drivers who will be honored this weekend. Others, including NASCAR Hall of Famers Bill Elliott and the late Dale Earnhardt, who combined to win seven times at Darlington from 1985 to 1989. And when speaking about Darlington, Dale Earnhardt once said, if you happen to be a race car driver, there's no victory so sweet, so memorable as whipping Darlington Raceway. <laughs> Just love that quote and the old video as well. Of course, the Intimidator well. would say that. I know you love watching some of those old memories. When it comes to this track, let's really get into this, though, Steve, and break down what, play, what makes this place so tough and just how to get around. 
Well, Carolyn, it starts with just the shape and the layout of Darlington. It's unique because it's not symmetrical. Look at it. It doesn't even look right. Two completely different ends. It starts down here and turns one and two. While it says it's 79 feet wide, it races about 15 feet wide. You actually run wide open through the middle of the corner and then lift to get off turn two. Then you come down to turns three and four. They kind of just suck you in. They make you overdrive the car up close to the wall. It's very easy to get into the wall in either end of this very difficult racetrack. Yeah, Steve, and we actually have some cool video here of how close you get to the wall. This is Ben Kennedy testing earlier this year through one and two, and you see how close that right rear quarter panel gets to the wall through the center one and two, and then on the exit, and as he goes off the three, it's a similar thing here as he gets up to the center right next to the wall. I mean, you can't even put a piece of paper between there. What is that? Like, an, is there. that an inch? What is oh, that? Oh, not even. If you're doing it right, it's not even an inch that you'll be up next to that wall, and you'll do that all night for over almost four hours long as you see drivers then Matt Kenseth here getting loose and getting it wrong Steve that's what can happen when you do get it wrong there's just no margin for error at most racetracks when you slip up you have a couple feet to save your race car here at Darlington you don't here's another example Denny Hamlin trying to hold off Kevin Harvick Kevin kind of gets under that left rear quarter panel and then Denny Hamlin has to bail out of the gas Kevin goes by it's really a give and take racetrack because you're not only racing the racetrack you're racing your competitors and Parker, the biggest thing is there's just no room for error. There's no bailout room. There's no safety. There's no margin for mistakes. And remember, it's 500 miles, four hours up against the wall like you saw Ben Kennedy's video there. There's nothing. And the crazy part is when you think about turns one and two, there's really no room for error. And there's also nowhere to hide. Say if your car is a little bit loose. At a lot of racetracks, you can adjust your line. You can move to make the car drive better in a different line. But at Darlington, through one and two, a very fast corners. You saw there that the center cornering speeds are upwards of 160 miles an hour. You can't do that. So when your car isn't handling right, the only thing you can do is suddenly go slower. And therefore, you get cars like you saw the four there of Kevin Harvick getting the inside the 11 and forcing the 11 out of the groove. And when he does that, he's going to blast by him because there's no grip. There's no lane out there. And so it's just one of those places that makes it so unique because there really is only one lane. And therefore, if you want to get by someone, you kind of have to make the air work for you. You've got to move them out of the way or hope they're going backwards. And when they do go backwards, there's no stopping it until they can get there and fix the car. And Carolyn, all of this that we're talking about, it's by yourself. We haven't yeah. even talked about when you get other race cars out there, and <laughs> nothing is more evident than the restarts. When you start on the front stretch of Darlington, you tumble down on the turns one and two. It's just so narrow. You have got to let your competitor in at times because if you don't, on the corner exit, he's going to come up and run into you. So as you see, the front two, it's very simple. But look at row three, four, five, six. There's barely enough room there for one race car. Yeah, they're going to try to go through there too wide, not to mention the exit of two funnels you into the same lane. So it's not a new story, but it's the same old, very difficult story. I would say it's going to be four hours of highly entertaining racing this weekend at Darlington. And Steve, those restarts, that requires a lot of give and take because you get in position where if a car is coming around your outside and he's starting to get the run, you have to give him the position because you can't go through certain parts, especially off two. Uh, side by side, or you'll most likely at times, if you don't give and take a little bit, you're going to end up both in the wall. As we've seen a lot of times, the restarts get crazy off turn two. So it's just one of those places that requires you to give space and try to find space at times, even when there isn't any out there. And the only thing I can relate it to the single lane style is if you've ever gone like mountain biking and you're on a mountain bike path and you come up on someone in front of you and there's nowhere to go because oh, yeah. the path is so single, you know, so small, that's exactly what Darlington is like when you come across another car. So bottom line, if you're not willing to push it to the absolute 
absolute edge, you may as well not even show up. Like for the rookies, exactly. the inexperienced drivers, there is no middle ground. There's nothing. You have to be right on the edge. Let's uh, let's look at some video from the late 70s. Uh, Kel Yarbrough here is what we have. Steve, <laughs> I want you to just, <laughs> this is just awesome. give it to us. This is amazing. Hey, what could be better than a bench seat and a bus steering wheel? Good luck. Eat some bubble goggles and go run your four and a half hours at the toughest racetrack on the whole eastern seaboard. You have to have a serious neck to hang on to yourself right there. No headrests whatsoever as you deal with the G-forces and tug on that wheel as you see Kelly Albrow doing. I don't even know what end of the racetrack he's on here. I can't even tell the two apart at this juncture, but this is just so cool real. to watch. Does not even look real. It's incredible. It's look amazing. At, look, look at the inside of the car, Steve. It's nothing oh, in I'm there. You, and, and the steering wheel, he's moving at three or four inches with nothing happening because that's just what you did. You ran stock components, stock equipment. But I'm going to tell you, race car drivers are still very tough people. But back in the 70s and the 80s, what they were asked to do when they strapped in these race cars, truly unbelievable. And I think that last corner we were going through there was turns one and two nowadays, which back then would have been turns three and four when they didn't flip it. So that was really cool to see. It doesn't, it, once you, once I saw it for like a full lap, I started to notice it, and that's what because it just has not changed ever. That's, this place has been continually one of those brutal racetracks for many decades. Well, just in case you want some video that's similar to that, Kevin Harvick's going to wear our helmet cam that we've been yes. using in the Xfinity, and Clint Boyer is going to be wearing it in the Cup Series race as well. So it's not going to look quite like it did <laughs> when Kelly Armour was a driving that thing around. There's a couple of safety investments. Yeah, in the 70s, uh, yeah, we have more safety in place now, but still, that will be a really fun look at just how wild this is going to be this and weekend. Clint and Kevin are using that much wheel, they probably have an issue. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, all right, let's move on because we still got a lot to talk about today. We are going to check in with Clint Boyer, who likely needs to win one of the two remaining races if he wants to compete for a championship. Coming up next, we are also going to revisit some of 2017's best moments, including some of the most heated arguments with today's edition of Scandal. You do not want to miss this one. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for one full year. NBCSN brings you three iconic races in one day. From F1. The race is on here. To IndyCar. Here we go. To NASCAR. Don't miss a second of the action. Sunday on NBCSN. Well, last night, Chip Ganassi Racing unveiled Jamie McMurray's paint scheme for this weekend. McMurray will be honoring NASCAR Hall of Famer David Pearson's winning car from the 1980 spring race at Darlington. Overall, the Silver Fox won a record 10 times at the Lady in Black. Ryan Sieg's paint scheme is much more personal, though. Sieg's number 39 Chevrolet, which he will drive in Saturday's Xfinity Series race, is a tribute to his late older brother Shane, who passed away earlier this month. The paint scheme mirrors the one that was used by Shane in a late model back in 2003, and Ryan said he wants everybody to smile when they see the car on the track this weekend. So a nice tribute for the family. Today, Chip Ganassi Racing unveiled Kyle Larson's throwback scheme for Sunday's Southern 500, and they had a little assistance from the two men that made this scheme famous, Kyle Petty and Felix Sabatis. So here is what KP's ride looked like in 1995. He scored his eighth and final cup win that year in the spring race at Dover. And here's reaction from Kyle and Felix on today's reveal. So we unveiled the back scheme. It's Coors car, Sabco car, got the Sabco decal on it. What kind of memories does that bring back? Hey, 
the fun days with you. <laughs> I tell you, that was, I remember when we went in Dover with that car and the crew chief asked you one pit stop to go, said, you want me to make an adjustment? And you told him, if you touch my car, I'm gonna take my ponytail off and I'll beat you to death with it. What? Okay, so we're going to Darlington and hopefully we'll see that car in victory lane, right? I'll tell you what, that's one track that I never won. Actually, we did win. I forgot. Sterling won that. Sterling, yeah. With a 42 number. Yeah. But that one's that would be special because if that one did I win Darlington, I'm taking that home with me. Take the just take the Sabco decal home with you. I'm taking the whole car home with me. Take I'm bring the car back. So you can see the full interview uh, with those two, by the way, on NBCSports.com, which is probably worth it if I know a thing or two about Kyle Petty. So that car from the 90s, but the 80s is what we're focused on this weekend, and that was the decade that NASCAR really began to break free from its southern roots and become a true national brand. And here we are three-plus decades later, and we are seeing a completely new era in the sports history, new stages, young stars, plenty of drama. So let's scan the most memorable moments of the year so far with our best of scan all. A picture perfect day here. Is never gonna get here. It's here, brother. We're off to a great start here today. There's a buzz in the air. Drivers! Start your engines! Ready, ready, green flag, green flag. Green, green. Slid up the racetrack, and Jimmy Johnson nearly ran into the back of it. Oh, how big is that 42 spotter? Fairly small, sir. I'm tired. Public's driving me into the fence when he passes me. What you got in there? Uh, a bunch of idiots around me. But I had it with him, man. Tell him if he brake checks me again, I'm gonna wreck him, and I don't give a damn. I don't know for that 48 staying that much right now. Screw her. She just knocked you up out of the way. Better than that. 
Go Mango, go Mango, go, go, go. Crew Chief on the 77, I cannot wait to pay him back for this and He's about to piss me off for the last time. It all comes around, buddy, it all comes around. Just remember that. He picked the stall, he's got to know it again, he can back the damn car up. He's got my blood pressure up, you're about to have to calm me down. our sport is just cars going in circles then that is the best testament to that it is not because that is so intense watching all those best moments to scan all some of the wrecks some of the positions the drivers put in definitely the frustration you understand when things are not going right and you hear the drivers and the team start to elevate their talks and sometimes even the crews the crew chief getting angry at the drivers we heard tony gibson get angry at uh, kurt bush a couple times and vice versa from other drivers but i just think it's such a cool insight to being able to be in the psyche of what actually is going on as the races happen. Yeah. Oh, I love to talk to a crew chief or a driver that's had a bad day, and they'll text me, and they said, just as I said it, I knew it was going to end up on y'all's scan all segment, and now <laughs> I'm going to be the one that y'all laugh at. And I just agree. I said, thank you. It was great. Appreciate it. Great content. We Our like editors that. are incredible. They find every single thing. So, yes, watch what you say. We heard Clint Boyer uh, in there a couple of times. Sometimes he was funny, but a lot of times he was frustrated. He's one of those drivers that's in search of a playoff spot, and he is running out of time. When at Darlington will get him there, though, but that's easier said than done. We're going to hear from Clint next here on NASCAR America. Since 1954, STP has been on the leading edge of performance, helping engines run better longer. For the latest info on NASCAR, visit NBCSports.com slash Inside the Garage. 
Welcome back, everybody. Darlington Raceway will honor Richard Petty this year. It was 50 years ago when the King scored his one and only victory in the Southern 500. Earlier that year, Petty won the spring race at Darlington for his 55th Cup Series win, surpassing his father, Lee, for first on the all-time list. And Richard Petty is one of 39 drivers to have won the Southern 500. And today at the Hall of Fame, our Dave Burns spoke with Clint Boyer, a man who is looking to join King on that list and earn a trip to the playoffs in the process. Well, first, let's picture Clint in the official era, 85 to 89, a 6 to 10-year-old growing up. Uh, where was racing in your life at that point? It was definitely alive. It was on two wheels and not four. But, um, you know, that's a deal. Everybody always asks me, you know, who was your hero growing up? And, um I wish it was Mark Martin, you know, but it was Ricky Johnson, Jeff Ward, and, and motocross stars. Until I started racing cars when I was 16, that's when I learned the likes of of Mark Martin, of Dale Earnhardt, Dale Jarrett, all, all my heroes that I now call heroes and, and, and know. You know, that's the coolest thing about being a part of this sport is I know those heroes, like, right. and they know me. They'll say hi. They don't, they, like, acknowledge my existence. That's they, pretty cool. They will talk to you. Well, who first hit your radar, though, as a youngster, then maybe not uh, after the two-wheel heroes? Who was the first NASCAR guy to hit your radar? Well, I mean, that's an obvious. Everybody, as soon as you look into NASCAR, you obviously you want to be Dale Earnhardt. I mean, he had everything, the intimidation, all the, all the stuff. But, um, you know, now that I'm, I'm getting a little bit long in the tooth and have been in this sport a long time, I really respect – Mark Martin and, and, you know, the person he was behind the wheel of a race car, his background coming up through the Midwest, that ASA series and all those late model wins and all the stuff that he did to race his way to this level. Um, you know, his story is just, it's that all-American racer, and, and he still is today. So is it from that that your paint scheme for this weekend was born? Because it wasn't exactly the era or the series that you're racing in, right? Yeah, it's kind of strange that uh, – um, the two of us Midwestern boys, him being an Arkansas guy, me and a, a Kansas guy, we share the, the Carolina Ford dealers um, for a throwback down there. That was his first. I think it was his. I think it was his first Xfinity um, um, sponsor as he had. So. It's going to be a ton of fun to get down there. Everybody loves that weekend, um, me included. It's so fun. It's like a, being at school. Everybody's dressed up like for Halloween or something. You know, it's really, really cool to to see all the people that paved the way for drivers like myself to get here and have an opportunity in this sport, show up, be recognized and appreciated for what they did. You know, Darlington has an interesting everyday vibe without the Throwback Weekend. So connect those two for us: Darlington Raceway and the Throwback NASCAR Weekend. Darlington's just a, it's a hard place to get around, regardless of throwback or whatever else. I mean, I I couldn't imagine. Look at them. We're at the Hall of Fame. Look right. at them jalopies over there. They used to. I don't even think those things had power steering. <laughs> no. uh, I couldn't imagine trying to wrestle one of those around the racetrack. Um, but they look at our cars and and, and think the same thing. Um, track is extremely difficult difficult to get around um, so unique racing around that outside and, and trying to stay off the wall you get a little bit more greedy a little bit more greedy and and you got to respect a place because she'll bite you remember when they used to put those big cameras inside the cars you see those guys working the steering wheel i mean you remember oh. footage like that right my favorite of, of all the in cars is michael we all love michael when he hit the wall on the back stretch at talladega and he's like, he, he comes to, and the steering column's broke, and like he goes back, he gets tired a couple times during right. the footage, and then I think that camera finally fell off and, and probably wiped somebody out behind him. But, yeah, I mean, 
how this sport got to where it is today is is just a, a remarkable story, and it's a lot of fun to go back to some of these tracks that were there back in that day, like Darlington, and, and have a throwback um, a weekend where you can remember all that. Of course, today uh, Clinton has a today story as well, which is you've got to make the playoffs. So I'm sure growing up and throughout your life, there were things that were called impossible to you. You were told no. How did you approach situations like that? Go make it possible. I mean, that's right. what you have to do, you know, is you go out and, and um, you're fortunate enough to, to get in, in good equipment that is capable of going out and winning races. That's the first thing you have to do is, is position yourself within a race team and organization like Stuart Haas that can do that. Um, got that down. Now we got to go out and take care of business and do our jobs and get into victory lane. Um, but that's more important to me than anything. Victory lane right now is, is the task at hand. Obviously, that puts us in the playoffs, but... I want to win. I need to win um, to get myself reestablished back in victory lane and, and um, to get our team and everybody else in victory lane. That's what you set out the year for. We haven't accomplished that. Got close um, three different times now, but uh, um, we got to get got to get it done. And it's hard to be cautious at Darlington. What's one thing you can't do, Clint? Hit the wall. You, you know can, what, but you not, not how many times? Thing, you know what the easiest thing to do there is? Hit the wall. Hit the wall. <laughs> this interview? It's over. It's hit the wall. No, hit the wall. It hit the wall. That's a great <laughs> ending. Hell of a job. It's almost like you do this for a living. Our <laughs> <laughs> Dave Burns is such a pro. Walk off at the end. I love, I love it. it. Uh, Clint Boyer prominently featured uh, in one of our NASCAR on NBC latest uh, marketing campaigns. This is radical. I think this is maybe, Steve, is this the best thing we've ever done? I love this so much. Oh, I can tell you that I think it's not only the best thing we've ever done, but I will get the most use out of anything we've ever done is this picture right here. <laughs> oh, man, look at Blaney on the far left. It's too good. It's too good. All right, uh, coming up, Pistol Pete of SiriusXM NASCAR Radio is going to join us as we get ready for the Southern 500. He's going to give us his drivers to watch this weekend and a whole lot more when we come back, addressing some rumors as well. Stay with us. You can start your Wednesdays with us each week, 9 a.m. Eastern NBC Sports and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio, delivering all things NASCAR, our NASCAR and NBC personalities. Join Mike Bagley and Pete Pistone on the morning drive. That's Channel 90 on Sirius XM. Pete Pistone with us now, as he is every week here on NASCAR America. So, Pete, the Sirius XM NASCAR poll question is, does throwback weekend in Darlington still excite you as a fan Yes or no? I want to know where you stand on this. I am extremely excited about the I'm 86 still excited. weekend. We're pumped. What about you? I'm excited. We're like the Pointer Sisters. We're, we're so excited. <laughs> and and if you look at the poll results, guys, it seems like everybody, for the most part, overwhelmingly is still excited. There's a few out there, a few curmudgeons, I would say. This is only the third year we've done this. At some point, there'll probably be an expiration date, maybe. But I think every year, the teams make it fresh. There's new paint schemes. It's a it's a way to celebrate the history of the sport. We're at Darlington Raceway, the most historic track we probably have on the schedule. I'm very excited about it, and I can't see what every, I wait to see what everybody's got up their sleeves this weekend. Agreed, Pete. And let's jump from that into silly season. Uh, as we learned earlier this year, Casey Kane will not be returning to the five-car Hendrick Motorsports, and some of the rumors were he would be going to a new startup team in the Cup Series. But now there's a new rumor that he may be heading to the 95 at Levine Family Racing. What have you been hearing about that, and where does that leave Michael McDowell, the current driver in the 95, and et cetera? 
Yeah, well, if you follow those dots, so if Casey goes to the 95, and I'm hearing the same thing, Parker, Michael McDowell is rumored to maybe being moved over to front row motorsports for the 34 car. Now, where does that leave Landon Castle when the music stops? I, I can't tell you that. You know, the original story was, we heard Rick Hendricks say very clearly when William Byron was named to the drive that number five car, he was working with another team in the garage to fulfill the contract that Casey has with Rick Hendrick with the Hendrick affiliation. We thought it was going to be maybe GMS Racing elevating itself up from trucks and Xfinity Series. Now I'm hearing that's not going to happen. So where's Casey going to go? If it goes to Levine Family Racing, which right now has an alliance, is a Chevy team, but with Richard Childress Racing, that would seem to make sense. That means that Landon Castle gets displaced. So where would he go? And I'm still hearing about what's going on over there with Richard Petty Motorsports. The latest rumor is there, there maybe there's a merger with them moving to Chevy with Richard Childress Racing. So we got a lot of silly season answers yet here before we get ready for 2018. How seriously do you normally take the NASCAR rumor mill, Pete, when you're hearing all these things flying around about silly season? Do you typically find that where there's smoke, there's fire with these sorts of things? That's exactly right, Carolyn. And, and you know, I, I tend to sort of tread lightly because we're talking about people and jobs and those kinds of things. But when you hear things more than once or twice, and as you say, where there's smoke, there usually is fire. Uh, I was up at Road America this weekend working the Xfinity Series race, so I wasn't around Cup people per se, but there are people there affiliated with Cup organizations. And I heard a lot of what we're talking about right here. Uh, so it, it, it would make sense, and we'll see when the next shoe drops on this story. All right, let's get back to the race itself. Who are you watching this weekend? Two races left until the playoffs, and for many, many drivers, there's a lot at stake. There really is. I mean, I guess the, the two that obviously come to mind, Carolyn, it's got to be Joey Logano. We have Todd Gordon, his crew chief, on the morning drive every Monday. Todd never shies away from any questions, and obviously they've been going through a lot of lot of tough experiences since that encumbered win at Richmond. And he says, listen, we've got two shots to make the playoffs. Darlington this week, where his driver, Joey Logano, finished in the top five last year. And Richmond, where obviously they won back in the spring. They're feeling that their chances are good, but I need to see a little bit more out of that team for me to say he can get a win and make the playoffs. And the other guy is Matt Kenseth. Now, Matt, to me, is trending upward. I'm seeing good finishes. I see him in the front of the field. Can he get the job done here in the next two weeks with Joe Gibbs Racing and make the playoffs in his last year there behind the wheel of the number 20 car? To me, those are the two stories to watch in terms of who can make the playoffs in the next couple of weeks. And, Pete, let's talk about one guy that's in the playoffs that's kind of caught my eye, and that's the 48 of Jimmy Johnson, Mr. Seven Times. Seems to be limping into the playoffs again. He's actually on his Instagram posting. He's out at Burning Man this week as he leads into Darlington. What do you see the chances are for the 48? Is he going to turn up the wick once again when he gets in the playoffs? You know, Parker, you and I and all of us have seen this movie before, right? In the summer, what happened to Jimmy Johnson? He won three times and he's disappeared. Maybe they're trying stuff for the playoffs. I don't know what they're doing, but I am not counting him out. I think for sure he's going to be a player. I mean, if I have to make my championship four picks today, I don't think I do. But if I did, I'd have a hard time keeping the 48 out of that picture, even though, to your point, he hasn't been great here in the summer months. They seem to be able to know when to make things better from the summer to the fall when the playoffs start here at Chicagoland Speedway, I think Jimmy Johnson's going to be just fine. All right, we're going to get the other three picks from you once the playoffs are solidified. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, so start thinking about it. Keep thinking about it. We'll get those at some point. And we spared you, Steve Letarte, for this particular segment because we know that he's joining you tomorrow on Morning Drive. So enjoy that. We're going to try to get him to get, like, some acid wash denim, maybe, like, comb his hair oh. up for you, something like that for throwback. He's got a perm coming, hopefully. <laughs>
Oh, it's got to be. That'd be great. Yeah. So Stevie and I will tomorrow. Maybe we'll talk a little NASCAR after he and I talk about a possible Cubs Red Sox World Series. Ooh. So we'll promise you Ooh, something. Oh, I tomorrow. like it. I like yeah. it. Sparring yeah. ahead. All right, Pete. Thanks. We'll talk to you soon. Always fun, guys. Thanks. So that's something to look forward to. Also, tomorrow, NASCAR America at the Hall of Fame. So our special guests include Hall of Fame crew chiefs Dale Inman and Ray Abraham, plus Hall of Fame broadcaster Ken Squire also going to stop by. That's tomorrow at 5 Eastern. Those are fantastic shows. Don't miss them. We'll be back after this. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for one full year. Well, if you watch us, you know we love to have a good time on the show here on NASCAR America, but we are keeping those affected by Hurricane Harvey very much in our thoughts. If you want to help Harvey victims, you can donate online at redcross.org. You can also text Harvey to 90999 to make a $10 donation. So keep that in mind if you feel like you want to contribute. In the meantime, today at the Hall of Fame, Wood Brothers Racing showcased Brian Blaney's Darlington ride for this weekend. So Blaney's Ford featuring a paint scheme used by Kyle Petty back in 1987. That was the year that he won the Coca-Cola 600 while driving for the Wood Brothers. Team co-owner Eddie Wood reflecting on the unveiling in KP's time with the organization. We've got a car here in the hall, uh, it's probably directly behind me, maybe in the shot. Uh, that's Neil Bonnet's car from, from 1989. Uh, and, you know, that whole uh, period of time from uh, 85 through uh, uh, 89, we ran similar paint scheme, you know, with, with Bonnet and with Kyle. Uh, and, and it's always, a, just every time I see those cars, you know, it just brings back a lot of memories. Kyle Petty, a very popular choice, Steve. I think this is an 85 <laughs> to 89. The it's the Kyle Petty throwback weekend <laughs> what we got you, here. Steve, what are your favorite, your top three, let's say, paint schemes for the weekend? Well, I'm a sap for when the paint scheme matches the sponsor. So I looked at three that they continue to even to this day. And it goes to the number two, the Miller Genuine Draft, that black iconic Ford. We got uh, Dale Jarrett's throwback that Danica Patrick will be running. Uh, you got to always love those. So the, the, when the paint scheme matches the car, those are always my favorite, not to mention the classic 43 Richard Petty 200th win car. Give us one. I'm just going anything Kyle Petty, so okay. the 21 and the 42. Okay, fair enough. That's a safe bet. Um, that is it As for today's do. edition of NASCAR America. We'll be from the Hall of Fame tomorrow. On Friday, we are going to be from Darlington, so make sure you're with us on Friday as well. We're back tomorrow at 5 Eastern from the Hall of Fame. Ray Ebernham and Dale Inman. Ken Squire also in the house. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.